0: Hello, and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajisad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. Now, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, thank you for trying something new. We really appreciate it. But I'll give you the quick lowdown on who Ben and I are. As I mentioned before, we're automotive journalists, and you can find our work all over the internet and in some print publications. Ben, why don't you plug a couple of them?
1: You can find my work in Motor Trend, Automobile Magazine, Driving Line, and Hagerty Classic Car.
0: And you can find my work at autotrader.ca, as well as Nouveau Magazine and motorillustrated.com. This week, we're going to talk about uh, a new crossover. Well, a somewhat new crossover. Well, it's not new at all. Ben, There's can nothing you just new about it. Away? Can you just take away this con- this confusion away from me what is this
1: crossover we're talking about it's uh the 2020 jeep cherokee sammy
0: oh great another jeep here we go we're gonna we're probably gonna piss off another rabid fan base wait the cherokee nobody likes the cherokee
1: well i don't know if nobody likes the cherokee but it is not one of their cult i mean the the xj cherokee is definitely a cult vehicle but the modern one has largely flown under the radar since it was introduced what six years ago I think that you, I think you're right. I mean it has it has been
0: um, a tough go for it. I think it was released with a very interesting external uh, exterior design, um, very different than the rest of Jeep as we knew it. and then it's gone through a couple of refreshes that I'm not sure really made it any better can you can you capitalize on what I'm trying to say here?
1: Well, it was definitely styling that I think Jeep felt they had to walk back. I personally don't have a problem with it. I think it's aged a lot better than we thought it would. And in a world where a lot of SUVs look really bland and are hard to differentiate from each other, the Cherokee at least is somewhat distinctive from the front.
0: That's true. Actually, I think that's really um, important for, for the crossover segment because a lot of these vehicles look almost identical. And if it's one thing you can tell about a Jeep Cherokee, it doesn't look like a, like a RAV4 or a CRV or a CX-5,
1: and I think that's a pretty good thing. But the other issue with the – the other thing about the Cherokee is there's so many different versions of it, and this is a – this is Jeep's – uh, Mo right. They offer a vehicle that comes in super basic trim all the way up to luxury trim. And at some point, there's probably going to be an off-road model in there as well. And the Cherokee is no exception. You can get a Trailhawk version of this truck that has a low-range four-wheel drive, the uh, rugged suspension that you would want to actually do off-roading with, and a, uh, a V6 engine to power all of that. Um, the version of the vehicle I drove, though, I mean, I've driven many versions of the Cherokee over time. The one I had most recently was not the Trackhawk, or sorry, Trailhawk. It was the limited 4x4.
0: Okay. Um, um, actually,
1: no, I, I don't think it was a limited. I think it was the altitude 4x4, Sammy. It, it's easy to get confused. There are exactly 10
0: trim levels of the Cherokee, uh, and that doesn't include front-wheel and all-wheel-drive versions of the, uh, of the vehicle, which if that might double it up for some people. It's the, um that's a lot of – in my opinion, that's a lot of, of choices. I don't think the CRV has that
1: many trim levels.
0: No. Um, Historically, and,
1: Honda and, and Toyota have been less generous with trim levels.
0: And that's not even to say that, like, one model of these is, is outfitted with a specific engine. You can also choose different engines for each of these trim levels. So what did you have? Because I believe there's a somewhat newer choice in engine um, for the – For the Cherokee.
1: You can get three engines with the altitude. You can get the base two point four liter four cylinder. You can get a three point two liter V six, which is uh, a version, I believe, of the Pentastar, a slightly smaller version of the Pentastar. And there's a new two-liter turbocharged engine, which is the one that I had in my vehicle. And that one, so this vehicle starts at just under thirty thousand. I believe it's around twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Uh but the adding the four cylinder is twenty three hundred dollars. Whoa, okay. That's is it what? This
0: four-cylinder turbo um, – you need to run me through the numbers again with this four-cylinder turbo because to me – I would if
1: had them in front of me, Sammy.
0: <laughs> OK. Because to me, I remember this four-cylinder – the V6 is actually pretty good. It made 270 horsepower. Yeah, it was um, decent.
1: I mean fuel economy was not great.
0: No. I mean very few vehicles in the FCA lineup have excellent fuel economy If I'm a, if I need to be that blunt.
1: Yeah, but you know, you mentioned the the, the the horsepower for the V6. For that four cylinder, it actually makes, uh, it didn't, it, 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 the, the, the V6 made around 215 horsepower, I think. It wasn't, you're thinking of the larger 3.6 liter Pentastar. The 3.2 was just over 200 because it's the uh, two liter of Turbo 4 makes 270, which is 56 more than the V6. Actually, I think it's just 56 more pound feet than the V6 uh, at 295 pound feet of torque. I'm going to start that whole sentence over. Okay. Are tur- you sh- hold on? The turbocharged the turbo four makes 270 horsepower and 295 pound feet of torque. Are you sure about that? Because yes. I'm looking at the website right now and it says 3.2 and horsepower 271. Yeah. Okay. So for horsepower they're similar, but torque wise,
0: oh the horsepower- okay.
1: Your turbo makes 56 more pound feet.
0: Well, I am sorry for questioning you. That's uh, fine. I-,
1: I stated that in the most confusing possible way. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Unnamed Confusion podcast where we have our numbers all mixed up and you get to figure it out. But here's,
1: there's some other weird stuff that comes with the four-cylinder. Like, the ter- even though it has more torque, mm-hmm. the tow rating is 4,000 pounds, which is 500 pounds less than if you ordered the V6. Weird. Yeah, it is weird.
0: Okay, uh, and it, is it ex- how much better fuel economy are you expecting out of this four-cylinder than the six-cylinder?
1: I do not have those numbers in front of me. Let, the, okay. let me pull them up quickly. Um it's not that much better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: well, it seems so crazy. Like I need to I need to really wonder. I know that in the in the crossover segment fuel economy is a fairly high decision factor for for the buyers. But if you're going to be buying a Jeep or a vehicle that's made to to, you know, withstand the the rigorous capabilities of a Jeep and its four-wheel drive system, um Maybe you can, you know, consumers would probably feel that it's okay if it's not that great <laughs> on gas. If yeah, you're right? buying
1: the Trailhawk, maybe, but this isn't the Trailhawk. This is the one that's supposed to compete on its on the merits that every other crossover is supposed to compete on, and it's only like one mile per gallon better on the highway than the V6. So what? So, right, so it doesn't right Twenty five miles per gallon highway. Well, you're getting more torque. So it's a weird mix. You get more torque, less towing, and a tiny bit more efficiency. For how much again? Two thousand dollars more, That's a little much. more, like twenty three hundred. The That's other thing, too much. The other thing too is it doesn't really feel that great as an engine. It comes with the same nine speed that comes with all the other motors that you would get in the Cherokee. Okay, I found it felt like a continuously variable transmission. There was a lot of whooshing. There was a lot of revs without necessarily getting a concomitant surge in power. Uh, it okay, just didn't yeah. feel super responsive. Like, I never felt like, whoa, I have 300 pound-feet of torque underneath my right foot. It just, it wasn't, there was, there was nothing engaging about the motor.
0: Yikes. Okay. Um, it sounds a lot like the last time I drove a Jeep, uh, which was a limited, like you mentioned before as well, that uh, a Jeep Cherokee, and uh, I wasn't very impressed with its drivetrain, and I don't remember being very impressed with its interior either. Can you please tell me that there's some positive sign to this vehicle anywhere?
1: What I will say about the Cherokee is there's, it's very middle of the pack. It's very, there's nothing about the vehicle that stands out. This is kind of like your default crossover. It has no personality and altitude trim. The interior is fine. I mean, I love Uconnect. It has the Uconnect 8.4 in in this vehicle. Great big touchscreen, easy to use, nice colors. Everything's cool with that. Uh, but in terms of switchgear, buttons, controls, it feels very normal. I mean, you don't get a s- overwhelming sense of quality. It doesn't feel particularly bad. It's not huge inside. Uh, cargo is okay. Passenger space is okay. It's not all that comfortable on a longer trip. It's fine, but you're not, you're not like... When you drive it, it doesn't feel special in any way.
0: That's So it just, it just fills a gap in the Jeep lineup. Yes. And it doesn't do it in any particularly special way, and that's a shame because I think when it first came out, they needed to get they needed to fill that gap, and then I thought the refresh was their opportunity to get um, the more the more appropriate Jeep um, personality into the vehicle, and that just hasn't happened. What they did instead is they changed the, they smoothed out the exterior styling, they put this two-liter turbo, and then they called it a day.
1: Well, the thing is, this is a vehicle that's essentially six years old. It's old now,
0: yeah, and and, and a lot of its key rivals are now are, are brand new, like yeah. the Escape and the Rav Four.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we're we're what we're really doing is comparing a snapshot of a past era against the current state of the art, and from that standard, the Cherokee doesn't stand up. Okay. I, if you're going to look at it, if you can get a bargain on it, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. If you can get a good, really good deal on a Cherokee, it's not like driving it, you will be thinking, "I hate myself." And I really wish I'd never bought this vehicle. It's not that kind of thing. But right. we're in such an ultra competitive segment that for the money, you can do better almost everywhere else. And FCA financially doesn't have a lot of resources to throw at something like the Cherokee. And in fact, uh, a listener was messaging me earlier today on mm. Instagram. And we were talking about, he was asking about the Celtos and if uh, I felt that the Celtos was going to take maybe sales away from the Passport or any of the other adventure-oriented type of SUVs, including the Cherokee, potentially the Renegade. And um, we got to talking about whether, if you're Jeep, and you look at the Grand Cherokee and the Cherokee, which one of those do you refresh first, Sammy?
0: The Grand Cherokee, I think.
1: I think so, too, think, because because of profit, right?
0: Yeah, and it's definitely, it's it's got a better, it's got a bigger um Fan base or a, a bigger spectrum of people who are willing to buy it. It starts at like around thirty thousand dollars. It can top out as far as one hundred thousand dollars if you get like a tr- an SRT or a track lock. So I think there's a bigger spread of customers to capture with the with the Grand Cherokee.
1: Yeah, and 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 our listener Adam he made the point too that uh with the arrival of vehicles like the Telluride and the Palisade on the scene I mean the Grand Cherokee even though it's not a 3 3 row vehicle there's just that much more competition right because there are people who are going to buy a Telluride and never use the third row so right. it's it's got to stay it's got to stay relevant and if the profit margins are higher like you said with those really high dollar additions of the truck it just makes more sense to pour the money there so I don't think we're going to see a newish Cherokee anytime soon that's really too bad, and but at the same time, it allows Jeep to focus on
0: their best vehicles, um, and their most impactful vehicles, the ones that really stand uh, for the Jeep brand. And I don't think the Cherokee does. Although I think they do a pretty good job with the Trailhawk versions of the cars, uh, of the crossovers, and um, that, I think that's the biggest problem. Is that they've they've got these Trailhawk versions, which do have a lot of personality, which are pretty good. They're expensive but that's the only way you can get a Cherokee or a Compass or a Renegade with any kind of personality.
1: Yeah, it's it, they're trading on an image that is indeed available with this vehicle and with most of their vehicles, but once you once you start shopping outside of that halo model, things start to get bleak. Yeah, that's too bad. What would you change for
0: the Cherokee going forward if you could? Um like let's 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 see where we can take the the Cherokee reasonably. I mean, it's not like we can just jam like a Twin Turbo V six in it or something. Well, what would it, you like to see in the in the next generation, if there is a next generation Cherokee?
1: I'd love a less floaty ride. I would love a quieter drivetrain with more punch. I mean, mm-hmm. with that much power, I should be able to feel it. Especially if I paid twenty three hundred dollars or whatever to get that power. You know, if this right. was the base motor, I can deal with it being a little thrashy and noisy. But I didn't feel like. I, w- I didn't feel like the return on my extra money that I would have spent was there. I mean, over the V6 especially. Right. Uh, I would also spruce up the interior a little bit. I would make it larger inside because it's already a pretty big vehicle on the outside compared to other vehicles in its class. And cargo-wise, it does not match up. Yeah, what is up with that? its I've
0: I've I've experienced this before. It's a big vehicle and it doesn't nearly have as much space as, say, um, other vehicles in the car, in the class. And I mean, I'll bring up the CRV because... Pretty much, it's like the biggest in the segment, but not even like the Rogue or the Ra- the Rav Four. Um, those both seem to have; they feel like they're they're more spacious. Inside yeah,
1: and, the and that's something you can do with the platform. That's something yeah. you can fix. So those are those are the things that you know taken together. How I would improve the Cherokee, but I'm going to be honest. Mo- there's going to be always a glut of vehicles in this compact to larger compact crossover segment that are just there. To, to fill a hole in the showroom, as you said earlier, and to sell to a certain customer at a certain price. And they're not meant to be interesting and they're not meant to be particularly engaging. And that's just how they're going to be. They can't all be home runs. And right. Jeeps are jeeps. decided the Trackhawk – sorry, I keep saying that. The Trailhawk is the one that, you know, is the interesting member of the family. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is. So besides
0: getting uh, – looking for uh, a good deal, that would be one reason you want to get the, the Cherokee. Um the other reason some people lean towards a Jeep is they think that you're getting um, a really solid all-wheel drive system. But I think I've noticed that many other vehicles in this class have pretty good all-wheel drive systems. You mentioned the, the RAV4 uh, TRD model um, a week ago or two weeks ago. And then there's the always-on all-wheel drive system of the Subaru Forester. Does the Cherokee have any special element to its four-wheel drive system here?
1: Not an not an altitude trim. I mean, honestly, the Rav4 was a better vehicle in every respect for the most part, yeah. Uh, and the the Forester as well. They're just more modern. Uh, it's it's not necessarily to knock the Cherokee. I mean, it's it's kind of sad that we're ganging up on this very old vehicle, you know. And it you're saying it's an easy target. Yeah, it's a very easy target. So it's you know, again, I, I guess I'd wrap up my my feelings by saying if you can get a deal. You won't feel terrible about it, but it's not something that should be in the top five vehicles you drive on your list.
0: I want to go on a bit of a tangent from this um, mindset. I have had a lot of people talk to me about car, about vehicles that um, I wouldn't recommend. Something like a Nissan Rogue, for example. It's not my favorite vehicle in the class, but you know they've come to me and they've said, we found a really, really good deal on this Nissan Rogue. Is it really that bad that I shouldn't buy one? And sometimes if the sale is that good, then it's maybe it's worth taking that kind of um, j- jump at it, and I think the same can be said about a Cherokee
1: well, the thing is I mean it's very hard to find a bad vehicle these days they do exist, yeah. but it's you have to work to get it and Nissan is a, a is notable for they had they've had their dealers come after them because they're all about incentives, and right. they put a huge amount of cash on the hood of the car to move inventory that's why vehicles like the rogue are post amazing sales numbers in the united states but the dealers are tired of it because they don't make any profit and you get associated with a very you know low resale value brand that is only able to sell cars because of incentives because new product isn't coming along so right. i mean if you if you're getting these deals it's it's not necessarily because it's a bad vehicle it's just a different corporate strategy that's being employed
0: Absolutely. And I mean, I think what you said is is very important. There are very few truly awful vehicles and cars that would that will leave you frustrated, angry and regretting your decision of your purchasing decision. Um, And having a good price tag is what rectifies a lot of those um, regrets, I think. Um, I want to carry on um, because of uh, the certain situations I haven't been able to get into the press fleet as much as I'd like to. Um, so I was wanted, wondering if you'd be willing to talk about a couple of new cars that debuted recently, specifically a new Hyundai and a new Genesis.
1: Sammy, so, I am your captive for the duration of this podcast, so ooh. I am, of course, willing to talk about whatever you want to talk about.
0: Thank you. That sounds that sounds ominous, but great. Um, so first of all, I want to talk about the Hyundai Elantra. I originally told you about this car about a year ago. I said I saw it. Um, I couldn't take any photos of it, and I think it was best described as a Prius meets an, uh, a Civic. Now we can actually see the the styling of it, and was I wrong? Is what I said incorrect? This is a very angular vehicle. It has um, a lot of really unique styling elements, especially in the side profile, this bizarre triangle or or – uh, sharp angle in, into the, the bodywork there that really, I guess it catches your eye, and I don't know if it's a good thing or not.
1: What do you, Have you seen this thing? I have seen it. It's a very busy design. I mean, not only do you have these, for lack of a better term, fighting trapezoids on the, <laughs> the door panels, but the wheels themselves look like ninja stars with serrated teeth, and then you have this great big Celtos inspired grill. I, I don't yeah. know if it's Celtos inspired but uh, I guess that's a Kia product, right? Yeah. But uh, it has that same kind of like um, mesh egg crate kind of thing going on. A very plunging front end, and then the yeah. rear is—it's it, just there's just—it's just everything is happening all at once with this car.
0: Okay, so you know what? There is there are busy designs that work, and there are busy designs that are really uh, distracting, and they're not uh, really they're 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 notably cringeworthy. Where does this lay, lay in that spectrum in your, in your mind? Can I mean, you look at the... I don't you think don't think it's cringe worthy?
1: No, I, I okay. mean, it's not... I don't look at it and shudder or anything, but it's not particularly graceful from certain angles. I don't know if that matters for people who are buying a, a car in the Elantra's class. It doesn't look terrible, but it's, I guess it's got to stand out. I mean, if we think back a few years when the Civic, the current version of the Civic came out, now yeah. that was a very very busy design.
0: It yeah, it still is, I think.
1: And it's done very well. So I think the Elantra is much sleeker than that.
0: Okay. That's that's a really important thing to talk about. You know, people in this class aren't looking for the most um, uh, downright attractable vehicle, um, and if they were, they'd probably be going towards the, Maz, the Mazda. Although the new Mazda, I'm not sure is, is yeah, that it's pretty. of it's kind of not great. <laughs> okay, so then let's talk about what we're getting in the new Elantra. It's got a it's got two massive screens inside. It's got a, like a essentially a. Digital gauge cluster, you know how much I love those things. Uh, and a nice big 10.25-inch uh, display. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty good-looking design with the exception of these three lines that run the course of the dashboard and link up all of the vents that are used on, on the interior of the vehicle. Have you seen this too? Or should yeah, I send you a you photo don't, here? You don't, you don't like this? It's a very – I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. Do you like that?
1: I don't dislike it.
0: Okay. Um, and then another thing to point out about the about the vehicle, it's got um, a couple of engine options, a two-liter four-cylinder engine that makes 147 horsepower, 132 pound-feet of torque, essentially what we already know in the Elantra. This is going to be combined to a CVT. There will also be a hybrid model, which yes. is uh, very exciting. It will use a 1.6-liter four-cylinder engine. For a combined, uh, with some electric motors, for a combined 139 horsepower and 195 pound-feet of torque, which is very good. How many, and, how many newton meters is that? Uh, I, I don't have my newton meter spreadsheet here, so... It's 200, you have a,
1: 264 newton meters, Sammy.
0: Ooh, fantastic. That's really good in newton meters. It is. Um, apparently, we'll, we'll get 50 miles per gallon? That's pretty impressive, man.
1: It is, and it's nice to see, you know, a competitor for the Prius which is in some ways what this is. Or the Alamo, uh, or the Corolla hybrid, right? I guess so. Yeah. I but think I mean, that's the more appropriate. It's like, in the same segment. Yes, but price-wise, I mean, it's going to undercut the Prius and it's from another manufacturer. So right. I think I think that car's in the conversation too. So this
0: is pretty cool. Um and I think it's it's always good. I love it when cars in uh, or vehicles in these really mainstream segments do something um Creative uh, be it through the design or through the powertrain, and by Hyundai jumping to get into the hybrid um, powertrain sp- space that 's pretty exciting and the design will will definitely be we 'll see how that goes in So the, the real
1: question is when are we getting the elantra n you think that 's on the way huh i don 't see why not because from everything we can we, we've been told, there's going to be a mid-engine Veloster <laughs> that's going to be coming out at some point. Come on, yeah, you really believe that? It's in testing, and if that happens, then why not an Elantra N? It seems like a very short leap. Well, what's really exciting about this is that of all the engines we mentioned, they're
0: both naturally aspirated. There's nothing exciting about them, and so there's perfect space to go into uh, a, a new Elantra Sport and then an Elantra N as well. So I think there's there's space for that in the lineup. Uh, and I think the enthusiasm for the N brand is is actually quite high, and people are looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, and it would give us a, a nice alternative because I think right now, that in terms of sedans, there's really only the WRX in the performance space. Am I right?
0: Yes, I don't think people really call the a launch uh, the Civic Si or the Jetta GLI high performance vehicles. Do they? No,
1: they're not. They're not really at that same level as what an N product would be. If we got a pure N, I mean, if we got like an N line vehicle then that's more of an SI competitor, I think.
0: Well, that's just one car to talk about uh, in, this, in today's episode. I want to talk about the other vehicle, which is far more exciting. Um, this is the 2021 Genesis G80, which is a mid- to full-size luxury or executive sedan. It competes with the BMW 5 Series and the Mercedes E-Class. Um, and this uses the new design language that we recently saw on the GV80, which is to say it's got these two-line elements all over it. It's got this interesting two-line headlights. It's got two lines on the front fender and then in the tail light as well. It's a pretty attractive-looking vehicle on the exterior. And then the interior is pretty high-end as well, although the press photos they sent us Are this interesting brown and blue leather combo, which I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I'm not a
1: fan of blue leather in any context. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. It's It's just not for me. It makes me think of like 80s GM interiors. I'm not saying the execution is like that. I just don't want that color.
0: Yeah, it's a shame because I think maybe a more traditional-looking interior will will do the G80 wonders because this is a pretty well-laid-out cabin. It's got a beautiful wood-accented interior, and there are these metal accents as well, like for the speaker grills, which look really high-end. There's a lot of small details in this car that are worth talking about. But first, we'll talk about the engine. Under the hood is a 2.5-liter four-cylinder engine. Uh, It's turbocharged, makes 300 horsepower, or there'll be an alternate powertrain, a 3.5-liter V6 with 375 horsepower and 391 pound-feet of torque. Um, it's built on a rear-wheel drive platform. I'm not sure yet if there's an all-wheel drive um, powertrain. I think but there some... definitely
1: would be. I mean, doesn't it share its platform with the SUV?
0: Yeah. So why not, right? It yeah. needs to have it, it to successfully compete in the segment. It needs that. I kind am of seeing.
1: I am seeing reported that all-wheel drive is optional.
0: Okay, great. And then you've got a ton of screens, a huge 14-and-a-half-inch uh, touchscreen, and there's also a weird rotary knob that – it's like this interesting um, – yeah, what's the deal with the rotary knobs? I what's thought the deal with rota- your
1: fascination with rotary knobs?
0: You know, we've got to talk about rotary knobs
1: because I thought
0: we were finished with rotary dialing like a long time ago and now – you know, with, with – Touchtone dialing, and now we're back into it with all these touchpads. That no, are analog
1: up. is back. Analog is the new thing. Sam, it's just going to be <laughs> everything's going to be a rotary dial. You're going to have that's, a circular screen, and you're going to spin a you're going to spin a dial, and it's going to automatically take you wherever it decides you want to go. Sammy,
0: that's I don't know. I'm not so sold on all these rotary knobs. Um, but a lot of people think that they're a little bit less distracting than touching a screen, which I think is true. Um, there's got to be a better in between, some sort of medium somewhere. Buttons, I think buttons are good.
1: No, buttons uh, we're done with buttons. we're done with next buttons.
0: <laughs> uh and it's got all the fancy technology that you would expect in this kind of uh in this in a vehicle in this class, so it's got a head up display it's got um augmented reality navigation, which is pretty cool
1: what, what? Uh, oh, wait back that up augmented reality navigation where yeah. is that taking me exactly
0: so well, it takes you where you where you want to go you punch in your destination and as your um approaching an intersection the navigation instructions will feed onto the onto a video display of where the car is heading on the screen so is it's that, a head up display what makes it augmented so okay it's not a head up display exactly so basically using the front facing camera for parking um it will um play the video feed of that front facing camera into your infotainment system okay and then, as you're approaching a street, it will tell you what that street name is, and it will tell you whether or not your turn is coming up or
1: not. This is and... called navigation. I'm still, I still don't understand. But it uses the real-time video feed. Ah, let me tell you about another real-time visual <laughs> feed available to everyone who owns a car, regardless of price point. It's called the windshield. Yes. Why do I have to? And look your away? Eyeballs. Why do I have to look away from the enormous windshield screen in front of me at the smaller screen on the dashboard? To see the street name when it's clearly indicated on a sign on the road itself. Look at this guy! I'm so good at navigating by myself. Look I at can this read guy! The, I he can uses read all
0: the screens.
1: He uses I can read his all the eyes. Signs. <laughs> I just don't see how this is augmented reality. It's not telling me anything my eyes can't tell me. Augmented reality is when you look out a window and, like in a sci-fi way, it tells you how tall the building is, how many people are in it right now, what businesses are there. Uh, whether the building has cancer, you know, like all sorts of like, <laughs> yes. you know what I mean? And this That sounds like something
0: any- our robot future nannies will be telling us. This isn't
1: telling me anything. This is just like, hey, remember eyes? This is what eyes look like.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true. So that's coming out. I think I'm really looking forward to the Genesis G80, especially because I think um, one vehicle in its class has really lost its touch in terms of its sporting appeal. And that, actually two vehicles. There isn't really a competitor in the segment that's strong from Infinity or Lexus. Um, the G, what it was, what did they used to be called? The GS from Lexus hasn't that's been updated in still, a long still time.
1: still what it's called.
0: <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been updated in a long time. I don't think it's particularly competitive. And there isn't anything from Infinity that's worth talking about um, in this class either. So Genesis maybe have, has a place to find some success here.
1: No, definitely. I agree with you.
0: So one more thing I wanted to finish up on this week's episode is a little story that you had. Um, take it away, Ben. Tell us your story. Well,
1: I had a, a friend of mine and a listener uh, of the show, Thierry, was talking to me also today, actually, about the episode we did a few, uh, maybe a month ago, two months ago, about our top 10 cars of the decade. And I mentioned the Viper ACR, and he's like, do you remember – I've known him a long time. And he's like, do you remember – it reminded me of this story when you were in, in college – and you rented a Viper for a day. And and I hadn't what? thought about that in a long time. What? Like well, legitimately so- you rented a Viper? Well, and- actually, I don't think there was anything <laughs> legitimate about it. Oh, of course. Because it happened at a gas station in my, <laughs> in my hometown at random. Um, I was driving home. Wait, what do you mean at random? Like so you went to go and fill up. No, I wasn't even going to this gas station. I was driving home and I saw this sign in a gas station that said, rent a Viper. Like legit, some guy was holding a placard that said that. And I did a U-turn because I'm 18 years old and I'm obsessed with Vipers. This is 1997 or 1998.
0: I was also obsessed with Vipers.
1: (laughs) And so I pull into this gas station and this guy has got like a 94 RT-10 red And he's renting it out just from the parking lot of the gas station, which is, you know, a big red flag. But I didn't know anything about anything at that point in my life. So I was like, yeah, we're definitely doing this. And uh, I get out of the car with my buddy. And we go over to the guy and we're like asking him what the deal is. And (laughs) there's no insurance. There's no nothing. I just need a driver's license and I can drive it for $3 a kilometre. So in American oh. dollars, that's about, probably at that time, $2 a mile. Ooh. And it's it's a little weird to be renting a car, like, by the mile. There was no initial fee or anything. Like, if I had driven it one mile, it would have cost me $2. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm like, okay, this sounds great. And I didn't have any cash on me because I'm a teenager and I have no money. <laughs> and my friend who was with me, he had some cash. And so we go up to him. We're like, hey, we'd like to, to rent you. We're like, cool. So we, we, I signed whatever sketchy paperwork they asked me to sign. He actually had paperwork, though. Well, I, I don't remember. Was like, it like I
0: handwritten? Ass- like, uh, my name, Ben Hunting, Will not- I assume
1: I signed something. <laughs> come on. <laughs> because the next part of the conversation I remember definitely. It's because we both walk over to the car and the guy's like, wait, I have to come with you. Oh. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you can't just take the car by yourselves. Like, that's not how it works. I'm the owner and I have to come with you. And my friend is like, doesn't have a driver's license, right? And he's fronted all the cash and we've already given it to the guy. Like whatever deposit for however many miles we thought we were going to go. Okay. And uh, so he has to stay back <laughs> at the cash station. So he, he fronted just- the money. And, gets,
0: and none of the, gets none of the joy. None of it. He's,
1: he has to – not only that, but he has to wait for me because I, he has no other way home. So, like uh, – <laughs> You're the worst friend. Oh, God. Conversely, <laughs> he might have been the best friend. That's how you That's have to look at it. Anyway, so I get in the car. I've never driven anything fast in my life right? Like I, I, I've been driving a series of pickups. They all have six cylinder engines and here I am, I'm given the keys to a 400 horsepower vehicle that is notorious for not being easy on its drivers. And, uh, I take this thing out for a drive and I'm I'm, I'm like super careful because I'm scared I'm going to die, but I'm also super excited because this is my dream car, right? Like this is the only modern car I have on the wall as a poster, like in that era of my life. And, uh, we We get to a semi rural part of the area where I lived, and the guy he keeps telling me to like go faster and drive quicker, and he's always pushing me and We get up behind the slower driver and there's a corner I can't see around the corner, and the guy's like uh." I was like, pass him, pass him. And, like, I look over at him. He's like, he looks me in the eye and goes, don't even downshift. You have the power. (laughs) And so, like, I pour the gas. And that's been your mantra ever since, to be honest. exactly. Don't even downshift. Never look back. You have the power. Yeah. Um, So... I passed this guy, you know, it's not on a blind corner. On a blind corner. It's more. And then, like, I remember being most impressed by the braking. I was doing, like, maybe 85, 90 miles an hour, and there was a stop sign. And, like, I hit the brakes and, like, boom, stop. No drama, no nothing. And, uh, anyway, it was a crazy experience. And I found out that the guy, he also had a Hummer H1. And his whole company was, he just drove from town to town, <laughs> renting out his personal vehicles. No, this and was not his actual line his of business. Like that was his job. And so for like, I—I it cost me like 90 or 100 bucks. I think I did like 30 kilometers altogether, which is not a lot, but I didn't have any money, right? And yeah. uh, it was amazing. It was like the highlight of my automotive experience for a number of years and i didn't know anyone else who driven a viper i grew up in a small town this is a small town where this is happening so it was it was quite an experience i'm just glad i didn't die like (laughs) the guy was seriously pushing me to do crazy stuff and i didn't trust myself to do as crazy as he wanted me to be uh but it was a really cool experience a really weird ex- the, the older i got the weirder i realized that was like at the time yeah. it was just like of course a viper is going to fall out of the sky and i'm going to rent it for three bucks a kilometer but uh now i realize that that should never have happened and that it probably will never happen again do you remember how much you ended up
0: paying like how how much you actually ended up paying then
1: oh, yeah it was like nine hundred many...
0: bucks okay cool
1: so that's actually a pretty decent drive, to be honest. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And I didn't have to pay for gas or anything. I can't imagine this guy was making any money at all. <laughs> like, it, <just laughs> seems, it seems weird. It seems like the kind of job you get to sh- prove to your parole officer you have a job. <laughs> yeah. So they don't put you back. There's a current
0: system called Turo, which I believe is kind of like – they describe it as Uber for your car. So you can let people not you mean, live in your you car. You mean Airbnb for your car? Airbnb. Because sorry. Uber for
1: your car is not a good pitch to a VC oh, company because it's already – someone's beaten you to that. Ben, it's been a long week. Come on, man. <laughs> okay, yes. I also Airbnb want to point out Sammy had a birthday yesterday and ever yes. since then he's not been the same.
0: I've got too old. Um <laughs> So this is something that sounds a little bit more legitimate than a guy in a gas station. Well, why? Because there's an app?
1: If this guy had, had an app, that would have been more, more legitimate? I it was 1998. So. No one had apps.
0: So this is where you can rent a car, exactly as you mentioned, um, on the internet. And um, it seems kind of neat. I don't know. Have there's... you looked
1: in your area at Ontario on to see if there's anything cool?
0: Have I looked in my area? Of course I haven't. Let me do it right now. Uh,
1: so I've looked in Montreal and there's a section called like special interest or classic or something. Yeah. And on the entire island, there's only like two or three. And one of them was like a 1981 Chrysler Imperial or something. Like the worst possible car you could rent uh, in terms of reliability, prestige, comfort, fuel economy. Um, I don't understand why that's even on there.
0: So there's a ton of... Um, Model S's or Model Threes.
1: No, I, I don't care about modern cars. I want to know if there's anything interesting you can do. Ah, like, okay. Because like, like I see people going to like L.A. and they rent like a Porsche nine four four instead of getting an Elantra at the airport, and that's I can understand that, right? Hmm. But I can't understand I can't understand getting a crappy Imperial. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, I'll try
0: to find something for you, and then we can we can close out the the this week's episode. Let me see. Um, I got nothing, man. There's no, there's nobody cool in my, in my area.
1: Well, we knew that. I mean, you know, oh. Toronto. Oh.
0: <laughs> womp, womp. Um,
1: so I'm looking right now in Montreal again. Uh, the first two results to pop up are a golf and a Malibu. So I might as well be at the airport, but I'm looking <laughs> at more filters and they have all-star hosts, deluxe class, super deluxe, which are super exclusive cars for guests ages 30 and plus. Um, and I'm going to choose that. And hey, finally, up. I can fit that age class. Aw. <laughs> so, there are 17 <laughs> super deluxe cars in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them are Escalades or Range Rovers. I'm These not are, even kidding.
0: Nothing. I've got, there's one Jaguar. Look at that.
1: Okay, uh, I could rent a AMG GT for $679 a day. <laughs> that's, wow, you had you realized you had a great deal back in...
0: Whenever you drove that Viper, it's just crazy. type in Viper. Let's see what happens. There's
1: another GT that's four hundred and twenty-four dollars a day, um, but other than that, it's all SUVs. Oh, there's an I8 for five forty a day and a 911 for three hundred a day.
0: Okay, hold on. I can I can actually you can change the vehicle years. So let's go down to this. I don't know anything before nineteen ninety or something. Nothing. I got nothing.
1: Let's no, see. it's it's honestly slim pickings.
0: Oh, I've got three. Uh, nineteen eighty Jimmy.
1: <laughs> for sixty-seven bucks a day, that's cool. A three hundred ZX for two 66- hundred. 200- Wait, is it like a full-size Jimmy or a small Jimmy?
0: No, a small Jimmy.
1: Okay, wow, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got a Nissan three hundred
0: ZX in my neighborhood uh, for two hundred bucks a day, which is way too much. And a Fiat a nineteen seventy nine Fiat Bertoni for also two 200- hundred. Two hundred dollars a day. Which so is too I, much
1: money. I looked up every car between nineteen fifty and nineteen eighty. There's only one in Montreal. It's a Chrysler Newport convertible uh. for two hundred and ninety dollars a day. Whoa! Somebody's offering a, De- a DeLorean DMC
0: twelve in full. Back to the Future, guys. This is inappropriate for twenty
1: five hundred dollars a day. So, well, you okay. get it for birthday parties. Why didn't we do that on your birthday? For 200, 200, sorry, two hundred, sorry, twenty five hundred bucks? Nah, that's not happening. Are you trying to say you're not worth it, Sammy?
0: I definitely know I'm not worth it. Aww. So, okay, maybe your backwoods. Maybe everyone has a better. Uh, we're We're recommending if somebody offers you a cool car to rent at a gas station with illegitimate, without a nap, with uh, illegitimate looking paperwork. And for a per kilometer um, rate, you should you should do it.
1: But if Go they ahead. run up to you really fast in the middle of the night and say, "Take the keys to this car," and then run away, don't take that car. <laughs> why? I I can think that of a million like reasons. A million reasons why, Sammy. I think I've seen that movie. Okay. So, yes. Well, I was just going to segue to the end of the podcast, but I think uh, you, good, you beat me to it. I cut you off.
0: <laughs> so. Uh, if you want to hear more episodes of the Unnamed Automotive Podcast, the easiest way to do that is to head to our website. That's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And when you're there, you can see all of our past episodes. You can see photos of the cars we were talking about. You can see links to the articles we wrote uh, about or wrote in. Wait, what, what am I trying to say? We Just write. keep going. Just skip it. Okay. And additionally, you can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast podcast client. You can do that on the website or even on your podcast app, which is pretty cool.
1: Uh, another, if if yeah. you want to get in touch with us, you can do that in a bunch of ways. Uh, you can go to the website that Sammy talked about. There's a contact form there. You can also get in touch with us on social media. Sammy prefers the cesspool that is Twitter. You can reach him at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Or you can find me on the much friendlier Instagram at hunting benjamin. Or if you're old school like me, you can also email Benjamin at com. Very cool. And you know what? We would love
0: to hear from you. Um, we know that a lot of people are, are feeling a little down lately. So, you know, reach out. Talk to us. We'll, uh, we'll, eat, we'll talk cars with you all day and long. Sammy will be your clown. I promise. And uh, if you have any questions, anything you want us to talk about in upcoming episodes, do not hesitate to ask. We love to hear from you guys. So um, go ahead. Use those forms of communication and uh, we'll be right there for you. So thank you,
1: you everyone, for listening. Yeah, thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Bye.